There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams, and themselves to add more value. And so can you. Welcome to the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you are looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper and welcome to another edition of the Business Elevation Show on Voice America. And uh, as ever, I'm always delighted to be back with you. Um, It's just wonderful to get to Friday, uh, the end of the week, and to be able to uh, do another show with uh, another amazing guest. And uh, before I introduce you to my guest, Mike Symes, today, we're going to talk about Be Fair, Be Different. Um, I'd like to say a big thank you to um, to Corey Blake. Um, Corey was on the show a couple of weeks ago. I repeated a show last week. I needed a Friday off to do some uh, some client work, and I repeated a show last week with um, with Anthony Steers um, on on basically selling over the phone. He's an absolute master when it comes to. At phone sales. I think he's in the expert in my network. And uh, therefore, I've got some lovely notes as well through from people who'd listened to that show and have got uh, thoughts and ideas about uh, doing even better over the phone. So if you've got any any people in your organization who are selling over the phone, uh, then um, do you know forward the interview across because I'm sure you'll get great value. In fact, I was with a client last week who'd listened to it and he pulled out uh, Anthony Steer's book as well, which was quite amazing, and then brought one of his sales team in who told, was telling me how much they gained from that interview. So that was lovely. So do listen to that. But last the week before, um, I interviewed Corey Blake, and Corey's a fascinating man. He's the, the first man actually I've ever interviewed who was who has worked with Brad Pitt and also with Meatloaf on Fight Club. He'd also, as an actor, uh, been on things like Buffy the Vampire Slayer and uh, and one of the most famous um, ads in the US, which was uh, based on Bohemian Rhapsody for a, a Mountain Dew, I think it was. Uh, but then he set up a storytelling business and uh, his business, Roundtable Companies, uh, which also includes Conscious Capitalism Press, uh, is uh, about a 40-person business and is... Uh, uh, making sort of huge waves when it comes to storytelling and cultural development. But we talked about vulnerability, and vulnerability, I think, is just so important. You know, if you, if you, to be courageous, you need to be vulnerable, and we all sometimes need to you know, be prepared to put ourselves and into that space which is outside of our comfort zone. And we talked about that. He told us told a story in there, which I have to be honest, quite shocked me, and uh, I'm still thinking about it now. So if you've not listened to it. Do go in and have a have a listen. Uh, fairness to me is something that is just so important and often missed in business. And I think uh, you know being fair to people, being fair to customers and suppliers, being fair to your, your employees is really important. And I was down this week in uh, in the south of England in Guildford and was working with a, a lovely client that I love to work with. They're a medical education company called Bite Medical. Uh, they're great people. And, you know, they bring me in and I do sort of talent development work with them and their team. And and when things, as they do when we're in business, get, you know, we get a few, a little bit of tension uh, in, in teams, as you always do. You know, I come in and facilitate a session with them. And, uh, you know, it's like pressing the reset button. And you know, one of the things I noticed with them is you know, there's this desire to be really fair to people and to be they're very different in the uniqueness of what they do. And they've got a business that is just flowing work into them, which uh, is just, um, just fantastic. And I think that leads kind of nicely to you know, introducing to you today Mike Symes. 
Now, Mike is the chief executive of multi-award winning financial marketing group of companies and is uh, executive director of Brand Workshop Limited. Uh, he was uh, he was formerly the head of marketing and vice president of Bank of New York Financial, which obviously sounds very grand. Uh, he's highly experienced when it comes to brand strategy and speaking. He's a marketing author. He's responsible for launching and developing many, many successful brands over a 30-year career. And he's also the, he's the author of Light Your Fire Brand. And he was invited to contribute to the seminal book, The Brand Challenge, Adapting Branding to Sectorial Imperatives, which was published by Kogan Page. And it examines brands that have taken the road less travelled. He's a freeman of the City of London. I think I have to ask him a question about that. And a member of the Worshipful Company of Marketeers. He's also a marketer. He's also the chairman of FIDES, the Trusted Independent Networking Referral Group for Premier providers of products and services to financial organizations and uh, as you'll get a sense of um, he's one of those people in my network who i've just got a real sense when i met him that he's one of the good guys so a huge welcome to mike symes thank you very much chris delighted to be on the show an ab- absolute pleasure to have you hey, hey before we um I, I i just sort of picked up on that freeman of the city of london what does that mean yes um, effectively it's one of the oldest um uh uh, accolades, if you like, that you can get from uh, the City of London. And I've done a fair bit of work in terms of uh, working with organizations within the city and uh, a chairman of the National Union of Journalists or president of the National Union of Journalists at the time um, basically put me up for it. And um, I was asked to go to a very, very grand ceremony with um, people wearing stovepipe hats and gowns. And the key thing about the City of London is about creating something that is not only um, very, very charity focused, but is actually something that is all around having an ethical awareness and an ethical stance in terms of the way in which you work and uh, trade with other people. And and, uh, there are a set of guidelines that you're given as a uh, as somebody that has been given that particular honor so it's it's really fantastic to be part of uh, something that goes back so many years and is so steeped in history in terms of the city excellent well, i just would just tell people in the intro you're one of the good guys i think you've just uh confirm that with that explanation so do you have to do you carry a big key around with you or something like that so <laughs> do you get... there's, there's nothing so wonderful apparently <laughs> i'm entitled to drive my sheep over the uh london bridge but i don't since i don't have any sheep i haven't exercised that right um i'm sure that you actually have to get a whole host of other red tape uh, signed off in order to do that but um it would be wonderful to to do at some point borrow somebody else's sheep and drive them across the uh, across the bridge well it's a great idea certainly you get your name mentioned uh, on tv and things radio and things like that i think if you did that held <laughs> all the traffic up <laughs> not everybody would appreciate it but um be good pr so when we were planning this interview mike you you told me that you often saw more of your father in the Financial Times than you did at the kitchen table. I know he was the head of Associated Foods, and you were mostly brought up by your mum and your, your grandmother. And I'm just going to wonder, you know, from your background, you've, you've had a very successful career to date, and I know that will continue. And But you know, what were the key lessons that you learned from your childhood that have 
really kind of helped you today to become the person that you are with the you know the, the way that you think and, and do business I feel like I'm on the couch a bit now but um, but <laughs> both my mum and my grandmother who came from Gibraltar and were quite Latin in terms of the way in which they sort of interacted with me a little bit fiery they had a massive impact on my childhood they were around all the time and my dad was doing quite a lot of traveling with his career um, being a parent, you soon recognize that a child's favorite two words are no and I, neither of which I've discovered are conducive to the idea of fairness. And mum and grandmother were really quick to pick me up on that as an only child and tried to get me to see the need for fairness in everything. So I kind of got that fairness gene from the maternal side. And my work ethic really came from my dad, who's Response on fairness was pretty much the Mark Twain quote, the world doesn't owe you a living, it was here first. So he was in reality a, a major advocate for fairness in his business life. He just seemed keen to, I suppose, let me know that life isn't fair. And that was his warning, his warning shot. Yeah, I mean, that's quite interesting, isn't it? That uh, that you, you have the principle of fairness, but actually it's not. It's not necessarily fair, and you've got to probably sometimes be um, be prepared to be disappointed from time to time. I think it was just his way of handling my expectations of life. <laughs> <laughs> and I know we've also got um, a similar taste in in quite loud rock music. I think we uh, we we had a little chat about ACDC when we when we met. But I I know I heard that another passion of yours is moths. And I'm quite intrigued. I think you are, we've had three, probably 325 guests on the show. And I don't think anyone else has shared that passion before. So I'm, I'm interested, where did that come from? And what, what do you gain from understanding moths? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the interesting things there is that it, it, it came to me, like most of the things in my life, but completely by accident. Um, I was staying with my family in Somerset in the southwest of England. Uh, I must have been around eight years old or so. And there were these huge lamps, huge lights that lit up the front of the hotel that we were staying at. And the son of the owners of the hotel, who was probably just, I suppose, a couple of years older than me, was gazing intently at these moths flying around and taking notes all the time. And I asked him what he was doing. And he said, look at these. These are fantastic hawk moths. I think you call them sphinx moths in the US. And I was absolutely hooked and started studying them pretty obsessively, that obsessive nature, nature is probably not always that far away. But it has advantages with campaigns in a niche market, I've found. That's mm. the only principle in, in terms of this that I can see has a, has a use, that it is effectively an obsessive approach. <laughs> um, in terms of ACDC, very, very quickly, Angus Young said something amazing, which was, I'm sick to death of people saying we've made 11 albums that sound exactly the same. In fact, we've made 12 albums that sound exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of a, a band that gets branding, really. So Because more than half the battle is having a unique sound and then being super consistent. So in terms of messages for business, I suppose the obsessiveness in terms of studying moths, but actually being super consistent in terms of the way in which you market, um, very, very important, and having that distinctive sound or that distinctive manner. 
Yeah. So they were the really the two things that I've gained from those two passions. Excellent. Well, I, was, I was down in Surrey this week myself, actually, and, and stopped over and went for a, a run and uh, down by a, a river. Um, and I was amazed at how much wildlife was down there. I saw foxes and deer and and hawks and uh, yeah, and moths, I think, as well. So it's, um, it's a good place, good place to live down there for all of that. And uh, yeah, I think um, that sort of the ACDC story is a good one, isn't it? And about having uh, find a, a winning formula that really works, and it uh, seems to be a fairly timeless one. And uh, just keep on keep on sticking at it, and you know, become as good as you can be at it and be known for it. Yeah. Another. So I wonder, so with yourself, then you you have this background. You, your father worked for a a food company. Um, how did you end up doing what you do now? I figured there were kind of two choices of careers that I thought people will always need, really. One of them is food, and my dad kind of did that. And I thought that money was a a good area to look at. Um, And I really found myself being drawn into marketing um, within the banking world and the lending world. And the challenge of creating brands in what other people seem to think think or feel is a pretty commoditized sort of industry you know after all if you can differentiate money you can kind of differentiate anything Um, so it's a big global market a massive transformational impact on the world so if you can create brands with genuine purpose and fairness then you're really onto something so that that was the thing that really sort of heightened um, my thinking and sort of boosted the imagination a bit. We've got three minutes till commercial break now, but we should talk a little bit more about that because I think financial services hasn't always had the best reputation when it comes to mm. fairness. And, um, and and it's lovely that the, the people like you who really, really, you know, see that value, those values as being very important. But I wonder you know, what problems that you see in businesses today that uh, you simply aren't fair. And I think some of that, we could talk maybe a bit about the banking crisis, but and you know what are the consequences? I mean, it's it's one of those things you could talk about forever, isn't it? There are so many examples of unfairness in in business, but I mean, one of them that seems a really really simple thing, but isn't you know massively stated. It doesn't steal the headlines in the in the papers around the world. Is simple things like making overclaims in terms of. A product or service performance or something like that. Now, that's really fair. It's really disingenuous, but no one picks up on that because it's not doesn't seem to be news. It's not newsworthy. Um, it's unfair to sell a product to a customer that doesn't have a need of it, or if it's too expensive for their budget and they've told you what their budget is, how much they've got to spend, and yet they're still sold something that they don't need or is too expensive for them. Hiding fees in the small print is another one that, you know, they're they're things that are just unfair in business and we shouldn't have to regulate, we shouldn't have to legislate. It should be as of right that these things don't happen, but unfortunately they do. Mm. My mind's going back to how I spent quite a bit of time time in my career going out with salespeople and sometimes in in sort of financial services and insurance and uh, as well as people selling confectionery and various things but i've i've 
one of the questions I often ask people before we went into a sales call was, you know, what are your outcomes that you want? And I was you know, quite shocked sometimes by people saying, well, I think I can get 10K out of this one. Or I think I can get, you know, 5K. Or I think I can sign somebody up to this. And I'm like, hang on a minute. How do you know what they need to have been in, you know? And, uh, you know, is, is, um, is that going to be serving them better? And, uh, you, know, I, I, you know, it would be completely amazing to me how people were programmed, actually. You know, I've got to hit my target, so I need to get this out of this call. And uh, and it's wrong because, you know, people may not need that. But also, you might be missing an even bigger opportunity that someone needs by trying to sell them something else. It's yeah, it's something John Paul Getty called um, digging for oil when you're with a client, actually Ask them more questions, be more holistic about talking about the business and identify all of the landscape, if you like, that they're they're most interested in. So it may well be that rather than charging a certain amount of money for one particular job, you actually get a whole host of different aspects of their needs, their interests, and, and genuinely then creating outcomes that align with that panoply of work, that whole spectrum of work that they potentially have for you. So I can definitely see that. Great. Well, good timing to end there. We're going to go to commercial break now. And after the break, we're going to obviously talk uh, much more about fairness in the the next segment and explore that further and some of the other areas that people are perhaps unfair. Maybe you can have a think about your business and think, actually, you know, are we really treating people fairly in, in, in each of the different components of our business? And, you know, could we maybe be more fair? And would that be a point of differentiation? So we'll then move a little bit into an area in the next segment after that where Mike starts to talk about some of the key components for, you know, differentiating your brand in a marketplace, underpinned, though, by this uh, concept of fairness if you want to be authentic and fair to your customers. So we'll be back again with you in just a couple of minutes. business you'll find the experts here voice america business network would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential chris cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the achiever program one-to-one mentoring and coaching facilitated leader development workshops and speeches email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free no obligation consultation to see how chris and his team can help you we hear it and read about it every day in the news america is heading over a fiscal cliff home prices are still receding and unemployment growing how can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. 
comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. tuned into the business elevation show with your host chris cooper if you have a question or comment about our show please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk that's chris at chriscooper.co.uk now back to chris cooper hi this is chris cooper with mike symes we're talking about fairness and uh, being different and Mike, we, we talked uh, about some of the problems around fairness, and uh, I think you know, that started to expand the subject. And you know, I wonder what have you found? You know, when you've you've met businesses, and I know your your business operates on this basis as well. What what are the benefits of being fairer in business? Well, I think there are so many ways, really, that being fair in business can create competitive advantage. Whether it's about long-term customer relationships because if you're being fair you're uh, in that position where you're in a trusted relationship with the customer you tend to get fewer complaints you tend to get a lot more customer advocacy you have a lot more referrals as a result of being fair and let's not forget it also manifests itself in increased sales so you know the more fair you are and the more people will talk about that experience that they've had. It's absolutely integral to the the experience. The other thing is it brings you quite a lot more certainty, really, um, and particularly in a market that, you know, the media are always telling us is, is VUCA, volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. Being fair is actually about being really super clear. So it's about setting expectations, helping people make better informed decisions. And the most important thing is that you're kind of intentional about your marketing. It be, customer experiences become more meaningful, defining what's next in terms of the wants, needs, and expectations of your customers really becomes something that are front and center of your mind. So, one of the biggest things is people are always obsessing about being better, providing a much better customer experience, wowing customers. And those things are very, very important, injecting those sort of moments of delight are very important within the customer journey. But it's also about removing obstacles, barriers and friction from the process to make it easier to work with you. And fairness is one part of doing that. Yeah, but excellent. Um, I, I was listening in, listening in the car uh, going down to Surrey the other day to uh, an Audible book, and it was by um, somebody that I, I really enjoy listening to. It's his, his, I'm reading is Brené Brown, and she was talking about, about leadership and their research and you know, two, two components that they, they put right at the very top and identified through their, their research that were – really important for great leadership was was firstly clarity which you think you just articulated there you know being very very clear uh, with people and bringing clarity into that that world that is maybe complex and um and miss um you know misunderstood but but helping bring that sense of clarity but also the other one was kindness and being you know kind to people in the way that and i think that kindness is you know very similar to to fairness as well. I think they're very closely interrelated. So uh, I think that research kind of supports what we're talking about here. 
And I'm also interested, sort of, uh, sort of ge- geographical and sort of maybe culture-wise. But I, I remember a colleague of mine very recently was talking to a consultant who worked in the United Kingdom and has moved over to the United States. And we, um, my colleague John said to him, well, you know, why, why go to America? And he said, well, in America, firms are just much more likely when they meet good people or hear good ideas to find a, to want to find a way to work together. Whereas in the UK, you know, clients will often string you along, will um, you know, have you writing proposals and defining proposals, and, uh, and, then, and then they'll delay something for three months or six months, and then they might get you to refine your proposal again, and then it may or may not happen. And he said, I just got you know, fed up with being strung along. And I could, I've seen that myself sometimes in some of my experiences of you know, doing lots of development work and, uh, and, and nothing actually you know, materializing. I just wondered if you've found that as well because um, you, your service is business in, in, in the UK market versus somewhere like the United States. Yeah, I think the culture is changing quite a bit as we embrace entrepreneurial culture more than, than we've ever done. And there are lots of firms now that are adopting sort of flat agile structures and we tend to be looking out for good people that add value and bring them together. Um, as an agency, we work with some fantastically diverse people, actually, from professors to animators. It's kind of something we've learned from Hollywood, really, bringing together amazing, talented people for projects and everybody playing to their strengths. But I also know what you mean, and I think in the UK, more than half the time, I think we're being, we think we're being impolite by saying no, but it's actually so much ruder to string people along. I, I'm not sure if it's politeness, but I think it's an acute sense of embarrassment to, to, to say no to people. And I was reading the other day that they did a study with a journalist was, was going into a train and was deliberately bumping into people to see what response they got. And I think nine out of ten people that they nudged actually said they were sorry. Yes. Um, I think that says an awful lot about the UK in terms of this cringing sense of embarrassment that we feel about certain things so i wonder whether that has a part to play and we just think we're being um rude and uh, and we're embarrassed about saying no and therefore end up stringing people along unnecessarily and it's a re- it's an absolute pain isn't it it is an absolute pain so i think there's a good learning there if anyone's listening from the United Kingdom, or they've got a similar culture in your market, because we, we actually each month have over 50 countries listen, access, access and listen to this show, people from them. Um, so I think it is fairer to say no to people, I think, and not string them along, and certainly not have them redevelop things to, uh, to avoid the pain of, um, of saying no. I also, I don't know, I, I find as well with companies, and I've seen this um, often, is I think there's a lot of unfairness in the supply chain, and um, particularly where you've got organizations who, um, and I guess we've been talking partly about that, but organizations who you know, have power over supplies. I'm thinking about things like, Mike, you know, moving, companies have moved to 90-day payment terms. And that's one of my, uh, you know, something I particularly dislike and not really appreciating the full impact it has on other people. Um, so I just wonder what your, your thoughts are really in that arena. Well, I, I think they're equally hurting themselves, actually. Um, we've seen from Carillion how supply chain bullying has weakened smaller companies, threatened a number of their survivals. Um, I think pushing out payment terms generally weakens their own supply chain. I don't know why they do it. 
because it's hardly in the interests of the sort of corporate mothership to drive that sort of level of weakness through your own supply chain. It seems like an own goal to me. Yeah. Oh, that's, uh, that's good. I had, a, had a, a very good, very close friend of mine who was a, a director in a very big multinational, and he was quite proud of himself that he'd shifted their payment terms to 90 days. And he asked me what my thoughts were, and I told him he was an idiot. So um, he didn't speak to me for two or three weeks, um, but uh, I just needed to let him know that uh, the impact that that has on, on small businesses and holding onto cash and uh, and uh, the fair thing is to to pay people. They're often waiting till the end of projects for for their cash in to pay people um, quickly and promptly. And I know those clients that I'm really warm to. Then those ones who pay me, you know, fast and sometimes super fast. You know, that really does give me the energy to to really want to you know do more with them, help them, add more value. Um, so I think you're, you're cutting. Well, we were saying in the UK, you're cutting your nose off to spite your face sometimes with payment yeah, terms. I think so. And as an agency, we're really, really keen to make sure that everybody that we work with is paid early. So not just the terms, but actually early. And, um, you know, that, that should engender a really, really fantastic collegiate relationship. You know, it's a collaborative thing, business. And I think there's a real danger when people forget that. I guess there's something here as well. You know, we hear a lot about diversity, don't we? About uh, you know the, the you know the role of the women in the workplace, and often companies where decisions are being more made by by men, and then also the diversity when it comes to to gender. So there's there's that kind of angle to fairness fairness too, which can also, if you don't get it right, um, will have a, a ne- negative impact on your ability to be able to do things in a you know a balanced and diverse way. And I think you've hit the nail on the head when you talk about balance, because that is what you get with a more diverse workforce. That is what you get from a more diverse boardroom as well. Um, you know, we're, very often I think we, we talk about workforces in terms of diversity. But, you know, if we, if we took it to the boardroom specifically, in terms of decision making, the balance that you get from cultural and gender diversity is something that is much more representative of society actually and is and is fairer across the board in terms of the decisions that are being made yeah yeah it's it, it really I, I do a lot of work around making sure you know boards and senior teams have got a, a real fair balance of uh, you know of, of energy and and you know flow in terms of people who are really in flow doing what they do and then the whole lot comes together like a you know, like a, a wheel on a car, if you've got some segments missing, you're going to get a very bumpy ride. And uh, I think that uh, is, is really important. Occasionally with smaller businesses, when we've, we've done that, um, you think you have to sort of be mindful of so people can feel, can feel because they are different to each other, you know, they need to, you need to work to really kind of make sure you collaborate and understand those differences or, or people can feel a little bit isolated because there's no one just like them. And, and uh, so I then have to work with people to, enable them to understand actually that they're there because there's no one quite like them they're unique they, they bring huge value you don't need to be the same as your colleagues it's quite an interesting um sort of area of ex- exploration really yeah and, i'd also the, the world's full of similar people doing similar things and expecting similar results according to yeah. business and <laughs> actually we, we all want more than that from businesses don't we 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 do absolutely we do, and I'm I'm sort of intrigued as well. You know how how you feel and have found that adopting this underlying principle in in 
everything that you do. So it's got to really be part of your, your culture, I think, fairness. Uh, how, you know, how does that really kind of differentiate your, your brand? I, th- I think fairness, first of all, is a very strong value and one that more businesses would do well to embrace because of the benefits we've mentioned that cascade when you do the right things. You know, that element about being clear, about creating more definite and intentional and, and meaningful interactions with your customers. The other thing that I think is very interesting about that is that you need more than fairness to stand out in a cluttered market as a true differentiator unless your market is full of people that are particularly being unfair or and that you're challenging that unfairness. So to have a brand purpose is incredibly important. It could be taken as fairness or it could be any one of a host of other um, issues. So for Disney Corporation, it would be magical. For Harley-Davidson, it would be liberating. For Volvo, it would be safety. Brands have their own uniqueness gained from an adherence to a core principle that they really care about. And if fairness is that thing, then be true to that. Otherwise, by all means, have it as a key value of your organization, but not necessarily your core essence. So, so, so what's the difference there for between you know, a value and a core essence? Yeah, value is something that you intend to um, become as a behavior, and it is supportive of the, the core brand essence. So, for example, Disney are very fair in a lot of their business practices, but actually their core brand essence is magical. That's the reason why they get up in the morning. It's their, it's rooted in a sort of fundamental customer need, um, and it's a distinctive and valued experience that they particularly want to gen- engender on how we leave our customers feeling. Mm. Yeah. I spoke about that a little earlier on with your experience about how, how you were left feeling um, in terms of a brand that was creating superheroes. Oh, yes. Sorry. Yes. Yeah, I see what you mean now. Yeah. Yes, I had a... That's that's right. I had um, a a meeting this week with a, a lovely company called uh, Hoop. In fact, I'm going to interview on the show in a few weeks' time the the CEO. And uh, Hoop create uh, wetsuits, but wetsuits for triathletes in particular. And I think they've also got involved with cycling teams and that sort of thing. And and, and one of the the things I loved in meeting the uh, the owner of the business was that he uh, he very much. Um, he was he was kind of into into sort of future thinking, and uh, his office was decorated with with sort of superheroes and uh, and sort of comic strips and um, things that remind him of the past. But it was a real kind of kind of creative uh, environment, actually. Um, and what he decided with the wetsuits, besides them being you know tech, technically um, brilliant, um, was that he wanted to. Uh, to, for people to feel like they were superheroes when they were wearing them, and he's got two really cool guys, the Brownlee brothers, who are to, you know top of the world when it comes to sort of triathlon, and um, in in the in in the sort of who, who are sort of brand ambassadors for um, for these wetsuits. But yeah, I guess the essence there, that kind of superhero nature, people feeling special. I guess it just gives you that bit of extra energy. Yeah, and 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 also. It's, it's down to what's unique about their brand in terms of the experience that the customer has, 
everything gets linked, all the value propositions, if you like, are linked directly to that core essence. Mm-hmm. So you're effectively creating something tangible around that that actually is lived every day. And that's what a brand's all about. Absolutely. I think, I think something else happened in that um, conversation. My children love the Brownlee brothers and mm-hmm. Dean was very, very kind to us. And he just, he gave me some wonderful signed uh, uh, posters um, from the Brownie brothers. One, one of them being a cartoon strip thing. My kids just were just over the moon when they saw these um, that, that I brought back uh, from him. Um, you know, by doing that and that, that sort of gesture of it's, it's kindness really uh, towards me, you know, creates enormous amount of energy to want to help them. Uh, to that sort of unique little gift, really. Uh, and sometimes I think we kind of forget that, don't we? And you can go further than fairness to actually, to kindness, really. And uh, if you're generous, uh, you know, things come back often. It's the generosity of spirit that comes from things like that. You, you actually want to move mountains for those people. And, that, and, and also be an advocate for them and be the eyes and ears for them out in the marketplace. So when you see an opportunity to help those people that have helped you, you're always going to do that. Uh, absolutely. So we'll have Dean Jackson on the show in a few weeks' time. So uh, do, do, do check that one out. So we're going to get to commercial break again now. And after the break, I want to, I want to really understand with Mike, you know, what are the key components, components of a differentiated brand? So whether you've got a small business, whether you've got a large business um, with lots of brands, then I think this next section will be really valuable for you to think about those key key elements of differentiation. So do join us again in just a couple of minutes. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program, one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with uh, Mike Symes. I should also say at this point, just a, a thank you to um, uh, Rupert Honeywood, who um, owns a business growth bureau. Um, Rupert has become a, become a good friend, and I think I mentioned to 
you um, before that and we're doing this um, sort of fascinating campaign with them around LinkedIn at the moment and and it was through Rupert that I got to to know Mike so uh, thank you Rupert if you're listening and uh, I hope you're enjoying the the interview as well um, so well, let's talk about um, differentiating brands now because Mike you work with lots and lots and lots of companies this is a, an area that you're absolutely you know um, at the kind of leading edge on and um, so I'm wondering from your perspective now what what are the key components of a differentiated brand? Yeah, I, I think we've mentioned balance a fair bit during this um, this chat, and it does map completely to the principles of fairness we discussed earlier on. Basically, there are uh, four real brand principles that we think are particularly important, and I developed the four R's model to highlight four distinct and ideally balanced attributes that are shared by all world-class brands in the hearts and minds of their customers. And the first one is, the first R is relevant. How appropriate is the brand fit to our wants and needs as a customer? So that's all about being true in terms of defining what the customer's needs are, making sure that every single thing that we do has a very close fit to their wants and needs. The next one, and I think this is a really interesting word, the next R is remarkable. And remarkable is an interesting word because it's not just about being noticed, it's about being remarked upon. So it has a viral element to it and an advocacy element to it that people want to talk about you. And it's a distinctive or distinguishing nature or uniqueness of your brand Again, completely from the customer's point of view. So what is remarkable about your brand? And for many organizations, I guess, this is really the toughest gig of them all, that you're trying to be remarkable in the marketplace. And that's the area where I think people have get a lot of benefit and a lot from a brand workshop that takes the senior management team through a process that will really ignite their brand through being remarkable. The next one is reputational, our next R, and that's all about the esteem that is conferred by a relationship with your brand. So what degree of um, trust, respect, esteem do you gain with your brand relationships? So that's, that's the reputational piece. The last and by certainly no means least R is being real. And that's about being completely authentic. It's about having a degree of an emotional involvement and depth of engagement with the brand. And what's interesting there is we're seeing more and more millennials coming into positions of uh, authority at work now and having responsibility. And what's interesting is Millennials have, from a very, very earliest stage, been interacting on social media, and they can spot a fake in an instant. And I think the world's got to the point where we know when things aren't real. We are really, really attuned to things in the media that seem to be fake news. Um, and, and therefore, being real is really fundamental to that. And that's part of being fair. All of this is. If you're relevant to customers, you're being fair in terms of creating something that actually meets their needs. 
if you're being remarkable, you're being fair in that you're creating some value over and above the table stakes of your normal competitors in the market that aren't doing anything remarkable. You're adding some great value there. If you're being reputational, then you're creating some values right at the heart of the business that actually mean something and you're giving a relationship that genuinely matters. If you're being remarkable and reputational, you're standing out by standing for something. And that that piece about being real, that authenticity, that is absolutely key to a brand because people will see through you in a heartbeat. Yeah, I love this. It's, it's kind of this is this is relevant, isn't it? If you're you know one person in in your business, through to if you're um, if you're a major global brand like Coca Cola or you know or Mars or or, or whoever, these um, these components um, are valuable. I think all the way through that spectrum. And the magic happens when you start to think about yourself as a brand. So whether you're a single person business, whether you're a three partner business, or whether you're 100,000 people within an organization, the brand principles are absolutely identical and have exactly the same degree of power. Because when you start thinking like a brand, the world changes. Yeah. Yeah, I was having a conversation with... uh, with a client that were telling me about somebody a few weeks ago, and and you know, if you're thinking about that individual, that in, that individual, you know, what um, I think what they do is very relevant. I think that um, you know, actually, people are talking about what they do. It's quite quite remarkable. Got a great reputation, but the the feedback that was coming back was when when that person says that says certain things, we don't believe them because it, it doesn't match their body language. So I guess get one of those four wrong and and. Uh, and it doesn't work. It, it is about creating balance. The, the, the other thing about that is that when you are actually being real, it does give your customer that real degree of trust in terms of the emotional connection that you have. One of our clients once said that a brand is the face and soul of an organization. And if you can show just a little bit more of that soul and let that show, then we're going to have much, much better, much more trusted relationships. Excellent, excellent. Um, and and um, what I'm just, I mean, I mean, have you got um, in your mind? And we've not actually discussed this, I don't think. So, um, but I, I just, do you have a mind of any brands that you think really do hit all those marks of one, two, three, four? Just as an example. I think there are. I think there are lots of brands that go in and out of. Being having all of those four elements in perfect balance. I think certainly Apple definitely hit the relevant button, the remarkable button, the reputational button, and the real button at specific certain points in time. The key to it, the key to success in that, is keeping a watching brief on your brand and making sure that you're consistently adhering to those things all the time. Mm. So this is about then then sort of living your brand. So how, how can people maybe behave differently such that they, they ensure that consistency comes through? Yeah, I think the key to that is actually involvement and democratization of your brand to everybody um, within the organization. And part of that is actually deciding your values 
as a collegiate workforce altogether. And recently, we had the privilege of working with, I think it was 331 people within one room, effectively creating their values with um, digital voting. Um, and that enabled us to actually get a completely transparent, completely fair process that was very, very visible. And every single person in the organization actually developed that brand. It was very much their brand. And one of the things that I think is very important is to create a brand that actually has every single person running behind it as a banner that you follow behind. And that really is how you leave your customers feeling, how you impact on your employees, how you embed that. So having the brand workshop, defining the core brand essence, defining the values of the business, bringing everybody into the organization to create those values is a fundamentally important part of that. Then it becomes a democratized brand that people want to live every day. Um, it then becomes, as Michael Eisner said, a product of a thousand gestures. Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm still sitting there thinking, imagine the 331 people kind of you know, co-creating co this. Uh, and and, and I mean, I guess, could you, could you also software and things kind of, uh, you know, identify the results from that and instantly so people could see what um, yeah. what yeah. the solution was. And it did, by democratizing in the way that you, well, you did, by giving so many people a, a voice in that, was the result, you, you know, as, as sort of clear and tangible as you'd hoped for? Absolutely. And the exciting thing about it is going around from table to table afterwards with the microphone and listening to the comments from people in terms of how they were going to live the brand day to day. And that was ex extremely exciting to see not only the lights come on in the room in terms of people being excited about the values that they've generated, but the very fact that those absolutely meant something to the people and that they were standing out for something that they genuinely believe in. And the comments that came back from from everybody showed not only the depth of thought that they'd given to the entire process, but actually the care that they were going to take to nurture these values throughout the organization and make sure that they were adhered to in terms of their behaviors and also the spirit of the business in terms of the way in which it's run. So it was it was superb to see. I bet, I bet it was. I'd love to have been a, been a part of that and experienced that happening because that would, would have been quite incredible. And I'm sort of, you know, let's um, just have a, we've got a couple of minutes really before I need to kind of wrap up the show. So, you know, to tell me a little bit about then, you know, you do things like those big brand workshops and sometimes on a massive scale. Um, tell us a little bit about your, your kind of ideal clients and, and how you best help them. Because I know you work with lots of smaller businesses too. Yeah, we work, we work with a whole host of businesses from, from the great and the good, the very large financial organizations to excellent specialist niche players in, in the market. It's one of those things when you try to market to everyone, you market to no one. So 
we deliberately don't look outside of services markets. We get what services companies do and they get us really quickly. I think chemistry makes a massive difference. Clients that enjoy working with us are open-minded. They're collaborative like we are. And they want to engage in a creative process. They enjoy that and being brought into that creative process. And ultimately, we really love clients, and I'm sure you feel the same, that value your time and expertise, you know, and we value theirs. And that comes back to being balanced, really. So we really enable them to see where they could be tomorrow, and they're excited about that journey. And that's, you know, we're working together really democratically as a team. Uh, We're kind of an extension of their business, but also sort of working with them side by side. And that's, they're the clients that we really love because there's that chemistry there and that, uh, that mutuality about the outcomes that we're trying to create together. Fantastic. Sounds, uh, sounds superb. Uh, we're, we're kind of coming towards the, the end of the interview now. And I, I wonder if you've got any final message or messages that you'd like to leave us with. Yeah, well, be the only ones who do what you do in the way that you do it. Go back to the ACDC principle, unique in terms of sound, consistent in terms of applications. And you do that with your employees, your clients. It's something that wins you fans and the fans that stay with you year after year. So the more your brands align to your purpose and your principles, the more you'll achieve as a business and as a brand. Fantastic. Hey, I've loved talking to you, Mike. I, I think there's lots and lots of value for people here. You know, just taking that that concept of fairness with you wherever you go, uh, helping to engender that and spread that across your business. Um, but also, you know, just being mindful in terms of where maybe you're not being fair and also thinking about those components of relevant, remarkable, reputational, real with your brand uh, and uh, and ensuring that, you know, you you really kind of live that brand and uh, and actually you create a movement with it too. So thank you. Thank you so much, Mike. Hope you've enjoyed being on the show. Thank you. So, so if you want for more information, then go to uh, www.brandworkshop.com. I'd also go and uh, if you're interested in this area, go and buy light to your fire brand um, from uh, sort of suitable, suitable sources. I'm imagining it's probably on Amazon, Mike. Is that correct? Yes, it is. Yeah. E- excellent. So go and go and access that. But go to brandworkshop.com if you want more information on these amazing sort of brand workshops. Uh, I know Mike's also got another site, which is sort of financial marketing um, site as well. Um, on next week's show, uh, we have um, my, my, some good friends of mine. We have Gene Early, who's one of these amazing um, founders of this of NLP, he, neurolinguistic programming. He was in the inner circle when it was and launched it right across Europe. Been on the show before, hugely listened to show, and, uh, and actually Gene and I have been doing some work together on elevating leadership and really thinking about how do you take leadership to another another level. So we're being interviewed by Stephen Morris, and Stephen is um, has been on the show before. He's a remarkable man. He has um, created an amazing marketing company in the US that he sold, but then he's got also a uh, an amazing artist, a, a kind of famous artist with a real deep sense of uh, of understanding life, understanding business, and and doing beautiful business is um, one of his sort of concepts. So I would recommend we pre-recorded that, and it was a great um, conversation. So uh, do listen to that. Uh, once again, huge thank you to Mike Symes, and uh, again, thank you to Rupert as well, Honeywood of Business Growth Bureau. And um, look forward to speaking to you again all very shortly. Any questions, comments, just send them to me at chris at chriscooper.com. 
www.co.uk. Always love to hear from you. Take care. We thank you for listening to the Business Elevation Show. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more.